Good morning, people of the internet. You are listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I'm Dev. And I'm Hugh, and on today's show, we're looking at minute 33 of the film, in which Debbie herself carries on her interview on her radio to talk with Martin Q. Blank. And joining us uh, again on today's show, as he has been all this week, we have Bubba Wheat of the Fight Club Minute podcast. Welcome, Bubba. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back again on this uh, Wednesday episode. All right, so this is really diving into the actual interview at this point. Uh, Debbie's sort of getting uh, serious. She's definitely kind of laying down the law as as Martin tries a couple of times half-heartedly to to get out of the interview. And uh, I think she's kind of settled on this as being her her bit of therapy to finally get over Martin, or at least that's the way it feels. Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's, you know, we've already established that the film is quite uh, interested in the culture around therapy and therapists already uh, to, this, to the degree to which, you know, Martin has sorted out as some sense of, you know, it's almost a sense of something normal in his abnormal life. Um, but clearly this is this is obviously a town where, uh, you know, it also carries on. and they're, they're, It's part of that culture, really, I guess, of people you know, knowing they have to work through things and and figure things out. Yeah, it's, uh, I think the dialogue in this, in this sequence is really good. It, it, it's these two characters really establishing that there is something more than, than just kind of what's been on screen, that there is a real background and a relationship between the two of them that, that actually resonates yeah, and I, I also really like the the power play because uh, you know we we talked about it a little bit last minute where uh, even though it's it's a combination of Martin falling on his hitman instincts by switching seats to have his back against the wall, but it's also a, a little bit of a power play, you know, putting him in the the seats that that Debbie was in, like the the seat in charge, and kind of it asserts his dominance on the the conversation and and then she regains it very very handily in this one as he's trying to uh, remove himself from the radio part of the conversation and she comes in and she moves the microphone back into his face puts the headphones on his head and snaps them to his head yeah (laughs) yes yeah yeah, and moves his mouth uh, facing the microphone so it'll pick him up better. I almost wish for that sequence we'd been able to see both of their faces at the same time. It's ah. it's kind of a shame, and like we get great reaction shots from Martin Blank, but I almost wish we could see Debbie's like satisfaction at doing this <laughs> to Martin uh, at the same time. And I, I mean, I don't think you could do it without taking the viewer out of the movie because it would have to be like a split screen or something but i mean I yeah you, you could have gone back to the wide shot but i feel like you'd have lost something then because the, the, it's become a, it's become a game of tennis visually you know we're cutting back and forth between them and and yeah. and, and actually it's much more fun to watch him be manipulated that in the way by voice described than it and with her her voice doing 
the, the reaction through her tone, then I think I, I get what you mean. It would have been cool, but then the fact that we then cut back to her anyway, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like it's the it, it's the best of you know they're making the best use of the coverage they had, but also yeah, maybe I think you're right. I think if we went back to that shot of the two of them, then that also equalizes them because the last time we saw them standing together, framed in the window in that composition, that it was providing a sense of equality between them. Now she's in control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Even though it's fun how she rolls her seat back to yes. her microphone. That's that's someone who's done that a lot of times in the radio station. <laughs> Just that, that perfectly paced push to get you oh, right back where yeah. you need to be. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I also like the idea of her interpreting his return to town as a, quote, therapeutic assignment. You know, like like it's so blatantly obvious in that, like except to him. Obviously, he doesn't. It's not obvious to him. But you know, that's what he's there. Yes, he thinks he's there for a job. No, you're actually there to sort your mind out. So you know, yeah. because she just interprets it as a twelve step program kind of thing, doesn't she? I think she said earlier. You know, he's whatever he's doing. That's the way she interprets it. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I also like how um, John Cusack, like after he's basically been dressed down, then he immediately turns into like a, a petulant child, just crossing <laughs> his arm and slumping back in his seat and rolling his eyes. <laughs> Absolutely, it's hysterical. It's such a finely judged performance. And and then uh, a mini driver goes into like teacher mode whenever he yet again tries to move the microphone away, and she just like uh, gestures at him with the pencil to, to yeah, move the that yeah, was brilliant the, the microphone back. <laughs> <laughs> I love that mode. Uh, speaking as a teacher, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> the gesture is, is 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 beautifully timed. I, actually, that brings us. That makes me think of another point we said in an earlier episode. We were discussing if 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 Debbie's life since since being abandoned in this town has been all about the radio station. But actually, this is the first moment where I suddenly thought, no, actually, she might be doing something else. And this is a, a second. This is like a a part time role because you've just described her as a teacher, and actually, I could see her doing that quite easily in the town. I mean, I know we've met, we've been to the school, we've met one of the older teachers, so she, you know, there's no mention of it, and I'm not saying she is doing it, it's just... Like, maybe that this is her summer job? Yeah, yeah, exactly, maybe, yeah. I mean, it just, I don't know, it just, it's just, it just lends an interesting additional dimension to her, um, insofar as we know she's not been pining for Martin there, although, you know, she's upset about it, but she has got a normal life. But it does make me wonder if maybe I was... I was being too harsh in one of our earlier episodes is ascribing kind of uh, this sense that she's, um, you know, thrown herself into this life as a radio DJ, which can be both because the thing about the thing I always enjoyed about being on mic as a DJ was the, the sense of being in control of what you do, but also uh, there's a degree of not always, but you know, because pre-shock jocks, there was a degree of responsibility. You know, you 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 are a guest in someone's house through the medium of the airwaves, and therefore you've got to, you can joke around and be silly and and have fun and be comedic, but you you you're not supposed to be rude. You're not supposed to be uh, 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 foul mouth. You know, you have to be a certain way on 
on air and it becomes it's addictive particularly if you're the sort of person who wants to keep other people at several steps removed from you which is why i think i interpreted that earlier but actually you're right when you mentioned the idea of her being like almost like a teacher with that gesture and i thought oh i suppose maybe that's not it maybe this is her therapy maybe she gets to to deal with everything that she puts up with in the town comes out in <laughs> on the mic which i guess would make it very northern exposure again but i don't know speculation I mean, I think this is still a time when most DJs, it was their full-time job, right? And mm. I think she's also, you know, obviously well enough off by virtue of her dad that, mm-hmm. you know, she's not doing this for the money. I think she's doing this literally mm. because she loves music. And and through her love of music, she's kind of taken it to be a radio DJ and then developed that kind of community element as a byproduct. But I think the focus is still the music. Yeah, one one thing that I did catch in the in the script, I I didn't uh, wasn't able to look through very much of it, but I did notice that that she has a line in the script in the old script that she mentions that the music that she plays are her own personal vinyl records. Oh yes, yes, they definitely don't mention that in the film. Yeah, even though I did notice in the background, it I as far as the set dressing, it appears that. There's a shelf of uh, CDs in the background uh, behind. Oh, yes. Behind well, now John Cusack. Uh-huh. And then the other, we do see a radio or a vinyl player. Yes. Uh, we don't really see any storage for vinyl records. Yeah. And then yeah, we do see, I, I, yeah. and, and I think they even look like uh, eight tracks because they look yeah, like the kind that you front load. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be that age of, of, of station, wouldn't it? I mean, she mentions at one point this isn't she's doing an all vinyl weekend because of the mm-hmm. the reunion. But you're right, there's no visible space. Yeah, I'm just looking, scanning through it now. In terms of the set design, there's no because uh, because in a place like because the rain, this, I mean, that, this is oh slightly bigger than the one I used to work in, but it's like we we had a, all the shelves for the vinyl was was above us. Right, and and there was space. You tried never to put things under the the desk in case of something in case there was something wrong or something broken. There was wiring loose, and you know, and it, or you knocked into something and made sound on air. You know, so you never, if you brought in your own crate, you had to leave it, you know, over to one side away from where you rolled the chair roll and stuff. So yeah, I can't see anywhere obvious unless it would be where the camera's positioned. You know, back against that wall. Um, so yeah, I think you've got a good point there. I think I think they've kept, kind of sort of kept the idea without expressing it to the yeah. audience. It's sort of mm-hmm. semi-implied, but maybe something that she does regularly anyway. Oh yeah, you know, it, I mean that that it didn't seem like the the record player was Jerry rigged for the weekend. It looked like it no, was a fairly permanent feature. It's just. You know, keeping a load of vinyls takes up a lot of space when you can yes. just have them on CDs or eight tracks. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely, so. cool. Yeah, no, it's it, it definitely her domain. Um. And we get a couple of call-ins this minute as well. Uh, uh-huh. We get Nathaniel, who we definitely meet later on because he cites back to it um, when when we meet him at the the reunion. Um, but I wasn't sure if we see Gail again in the, the first caller again in the, I feel like we do. 
I feel like there's a Gale mentioned when we get there. I I was thinking of the woman in the Hippo Club that's played by uh, is it Amy Cusack? Mm-hmm. Um, is that Gale? Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Anne Cusack plays Amy. Oh no, it's Not Amy Gale. and it's Anne yeah, Cusack. Mary right. Blank, Felix. Yeah, uh, I'd have to look at the full list, but I don't. Um, it's not certainly no one listed in the top cast. Uh, let's have a look. All cast and crew. Here we go. Gail, Gail, Gail. Boom, boom, boom. Do you know what? I don't. I, I guess maybe not. I wasn't sure if it was the woman with the kid. At the yeah, reunion, yeah, yeah. No, but, it, the, the, I don't see anyone listed as. I don't see anyone listed with the credit, but that doesn't yeah. mean you know IMDb is notorious for being, you know, put together mostly by fans. <laughs> <laughs> I do quite like that. Uh, there's this feeling that um, you know she has regular call in, like folks that regularly call yes. in that she knows these people. Right. Yeah. And and Nathaniel, it's kind of explained because they were at high school together and they knew each other that way. But like having somebody that doesn't then recur, reappear at the reunion kind of helps sell that as this is a real community radio station that yeah. has that regular listenership, that has the, the regular uh, folks calling in. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But that's the thing, isn't it? With the, 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 what, you know, who is around to bring in in daytime, in the daytime, you know? Daytime yeah. radio is the phone phone in thing has always been one of the weirdest aspects of radio. I I've never quite fully understood it, even though I've you know I come from I grew up in that era, and it's like as late as as ninety six and being a, a student teacher, and I can remember being in the van with all the other student teachers because we where I was training, <coughs> the most of the schools were very far out from the university, so uh, those students who are who are able who qualified to drive a van would often pick us all up and we'd all get dropped off at various things and then on the way back you pick everyone up and see you get a nice camaraderie nice atmosphere to kind of relax at the end of the day but you know one of the things you would sometimes do is you because you'd all you'd have to agree to the one radio station so that we could all you know listen to it which in england at the time was radio one and um we just you know it's just one of those things where uh, every once in a while, you just get so bored. You someone grabs a phone and goes, "Hey, let's bring him. Let's do this. You know, let's bring him in and see what happens." You know, um, and it just always seemed like this weird buzz of, "Oh, that's us on being talked about there." It all just seemed very odd, very odd. Um, yeah. But I guess if you got nothing else to do in the day, <laughs> I guess you know. I guess it's going to be her, her audience is going to be, you know, kids bunking off school and. Uh, people who are sick from work and you know retirees it's it's going to be a very uh, uh very uh, parochial group in some ways yeah there's there's only been one time that i've i remember i actually called into a radio station of uh, and i they were having a some discussion about uh chuck e cheese which was where i worked <laughs> at the time and and so i called in to give them some inside information about uh 
uh, about the fact that I worked there. And I, I, I don't remember exactly what the, uh, what it was about because this was probably like 10 years ago uh, at this point. But uh, I remember that, you know, they, uh, I talked to the, um, you know, the, the person that does the, the pre-call the, to ask me, you know, what, what I had to, to say. And then they, they put me on hold and then they put me on air. And it's weird, isn't it? Because the moment you get uh, to on air, you're kind of like, oh, oh, I'm there. You know, it's all very weird because you're not there. You're still on your end of the phone. It, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it, it's very, I don't think, especially with now with everyone being always switched on and always communicating visually in, order, in, in an audio fashion. I do wonder if, um, if that's an experience that's almost impossible to replicate now. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I, I feel like uh, you get that a little bit whenever you're guesting on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> Appropriately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I maybe that's why I volunteer to guest uh, on people's podcasts so often. <laughs> nice, a little bit of nostalgia. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the first time I started doing podcasting, which was God, must be six, seven years ago now, I did kind of feel like, oh, this is radio all over again. And it's not, it's actually quite different. But as you mm. say, when you're guesting on someone else's, it is, there is that sense of, yeah. And also now that we do all of this, we don't have to be in the same room doing it as well. There's also that sense of calling in. Um, but, yeah, but I also feel like that that there has been a shift in terms of terrestrial radio as well, where uh, especially with the morning shows, because you know back in in this day, I mean this this feels like a very you know advice uh, radio show just mm. talking. That this honestly does feel more like a podcast style radio show, but. Back in this era, I feel like most of the morning shows were like the morning zoo type, you know, the the mm-hmm. wild and crazy sound effects, uh, mm-hmm. prank calls, that kind of stuff. And I feel like these days, morning radio is more of a podcasting feel where the, the DJs talk more about their lives. And mm-hmm. there is a, a, bit, a little bit of like silliness and gags and bits, but I, I feel like that. The, the whole podcasting trend has made its way into radio more mm. uh, in the past five to five years or so. Wow. It's been a long time since I listened to any, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear this. This is, I suppose it was inevitable as well, wasn't it really? Cause I imagine a lot of what they do uh, is only heard by people listening, coming in later on and downloading it from the website. Or mm. uh, I wonder how many people listen to these things live still. I, obviously if you commute, it's a different matter, but yeah, but uh, I do wonder with the amount of people who, you know, you can you can carry your own sounds with you these days more than ever. Um, apologies. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much, Internet. This was uh, minute thirty-three of the Gross Point Blank podcast. Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, featuring your hosts, co-writers, co-producers, Dev Sullivan, myself, Hugh David. Today's guest was the lovely Bubba Wee of the Fight Club Minute podcast, and you can find him at... Well, you can find me everywhere on social media where I'm at Bubba Weets, and I do also have a another website that I've had for... A, over 10 years now uh it's called flights tights and movie nights.com and 
it's uh, not as active, but that's that's where I have uh, done written reviews of over 500 superhero and comic book movies. Uh, and that that was a, a long running project. And these days I mostly keep it up to date. As we talked about earlier with I, I do a lot of podcast guest appearances. So I have a uh, page on that site which collects all of my podcast guest appearances. So you can go there and hear all the the various uh, mostly movie podcasts that I've been on. Cool. Awesome. Uh, you can find us on all good podcast players, as well as on YouTube, X, formerly known as Twitter, and Spotify as at Debbie Radio, uh, as well as on our website, DebbieRadio.com. And for all of those, it is D-E-B-I Radio. And, and if, if you want to talk with us, find us on the Facebook listeners group, which is also D-E-B-I Radio. Debbie Radio, 79.5 FM, Fan Club. Sure was clear that all of this was new Concentrating hard like a little girl Smoking for the first time It wasn't a moment It was a feeling